there is the metaverse. It's not like different metaverses. It is one metaverse, like there is one internet, and then you have different platforms. They replicated the Australian Open in Decentraland. Decentraland is one of the platforms within the metaverse. So the Australian Open replicated the place in Decentraland, and you could see and enter the Road Labor Arena, see all the sponsors, you could go to the shop, you can have some gamification around, but they were not the only ones. The NFL just did it a couple of weeks ago for the Super Bowl, and they created an area in Roblox. And then they had a shop, they again have gamification, you could see all the brands, all the clubs that are in the NFL. So it is a new way for fans to interact with the brands and with the sport properties. So you have endless opportunities. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, please consider subscribing to the show so you'll hear all about our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started, I wanted to thank one of our supporting partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping bringing you this episode. Golf Genius powers tournament management at over 10,000 private clubs, public courses, resorts, golf associations, and tours in over 60 countries. So if you're a golf professional or course operator who wants to save time, deliver exceptional golf experiences, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. The Metaverse, NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency. Is your head swimming yet? You've probably heard some or all of these terms over the last couple of years and probably scratch your head in bewilderment as one of your friends tries to explain them to you. Well, today, after listening to this episode, you will be left unbewildered. I don't think that's actually a word, but uh, but okay. You'll be enlightened by the insights from my guest, Guillermo Heredia, who is the Metaverse and NFT Managing Director at Hype Sports Innovation. Before joining Hype, Guillermo was the International Development Manager for La Liga, where he worked to strengthen La Liga's position as one of the global leaders within the sports and entertainment industry. Guillermo also lectures at several top European universities about sport business, law, entertainment, and event management. So with that intro, I think we have the right guy to have this conversation so he can explain all this to us like he's talking to me like talking to an eight-year-old. That's the level I need to get this explained. So with that, hey, Guillermo, thanks for joining me from Madrid today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you very much for having me in the podcast, Colin. It is a pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we had a conversation a couple of days ago, so really excited with your background. You're new to Hype, so I find this is going to be really great with what you're doing. So I've been talking to lots of people on previous podcasts over the last couple of months. We've been talking about the metaverse and NFTs, and people seem to get more confused after a conversation than not. I make the joke because of the work that I do in the startup space and with a lot of pitch competitions. And we've had people come on and talk about they're doing something in blockchain. And they spend almost all three minutes of their pitch time explaining what blockchain is, and people are more confused afterwards. So before we get started with all these good things we're going to talk about, let's make a connection with golf. We always do this as a bit of an icebreaker. So uh, what's your connection to golf? Do you golf? Let me know what's going on with you as far as golf. I actually play golf. So I, I started playing golf around when I was five years old. So one of my uncles, he introduced the sport in the family. And now we are more than 20 people in the family playing golf. We do sometimes this tournament every summer. Wow. So I play golf. I'm now handicapped 6.9 as we spoke last time. So I'm, I have to train if I want to keep that level, right? So I have a golf club near my place. And every time I have some spare time, I try to go there and keep my swing on track. 
Wow, 6.9. Well, if we play head-to-head, you got to give me at least 10 strokes because I am not that good. So it's, I find this interesting. So you've been very involved with sports, like I said, with La Liga, with football in Europe and beyond that, but not in golf. So I love this conversation because you're not in the golf industry, but you are in the sport entertainment industry, and we're going to be applying all these good things, the metaphors, NFTs, and everything else. Okay, so we're going to pull back here. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to ask you this simple question to start with. What is the metaverse? Can you explain that as an elevator pitch to all of us here? Okay, I will try to make it very simple, if possible, right? So first of all, depending who you ask, you will get different answers. There is no straight definition on what the metaverse is. And for many people, it is just to wear a VR headset and enter into a digital world. That is not the metaverse. The metaverse is way more than that. So I will try to explain it into what the metaverse is today or what you can do in the metaverse today and how I see the metaverse in the future. So today it is more like online platforms, which are way more interactive and immersive than ever before with the added value of the blockchain technology, which we will get a little (laughs) bit deeper into that concept later, right? But for the first time with the blockchain technology, you are able to own, trade, and create an economy around digital assets, which before you didn't have the chance. So this is more or less the metaverse right now, and it is more related to digital concept. It's like a digital world, but it is device agnostic, meaning it's not just to wear a VR headset. You can enter a metaverse through your PC, through your smartphone, through through an AR headset, for instance. So it is not just virtual reality. Where the metaverse is heading, It's more the full integration between the physical and the digital world. It's not just digital, it's physical and digital world. And here we're talking about not only VR and AR, we are talking also about the mixed reality. We are talking about also other technologies like artificial intelligence and 5G. Let me try to give you an example. So I'm here in Madrid and you are in Canada. But let's say that you are here next to me through an avatar, through a hologram, through a digital representation of you. And we can interact with each other. Being in a, in a golf course, in a football match, in a concert, or just walking around the street. And we will be able to interact and you will be able to see the same things that I'm seeing here in the real life. But let's now get like a third person here. Someone that doesn't exist in the real world, in the physical world. So it's like an avatar, a character that doesn't have anyone in the real world. And that person, together with you and together with me, the three of us, we will be able to interact between each other. How this guy will be able to interact with us? It's through this artificial intelligence. So as we are seeing, like me in Madrid, in the physical world, you are in Canada physically, but you will be here digitally with me. And then there will be like a digital character here with us as well, right? So it's like a full integration between the physical and the digital world. Got it. Got it. So let's give an example of how this can play out. We can use sports. I know that a lot of concerts have been now in the metaverse and you can buy tickets. Why don't you give us an example here? You kind of gave us the 30,000 foot level there with the, in the example of you and I being physically in two different locations. Let's give an example for, let's say, a football match. We'll get into golf mm-hmm. in a minute, but I know you, with your background with La Liga, why don't you give an example of maybe where things are or where they could go and then the value and maybe you can yeah. start to fold in what an NFT is and how the value and the engagement for the fan, for the participant is then heightened from that. Totally. So let's get some examples that are out there. So for instance, you have the Australian Open. They replicated the Australian Open in Decentraland, which is one of the 
And this is one thing that I didn't mention before, but it, that there is the metaverse. It's not like different metaverses. It is one metaverse, like there is one internet, and then you have different platforms, right? So Decentraland is one of the platforms within the metaverse. So the Australian Open uh, replicated all the, the plays in Decentraland, and you could see the Rod Laver Arena. You could enter the Rod Laver Arena, see all the sponsors. You could go to the shop. You can have some gamification around, but they were not the only ones. The NFL just did it a couple of weeks ago for the Super Bowl, and they replicated it's not a replica they just created an area in Roblox and they had a shop they again have gamification you could see all the brands all the clubs that are in the NFL so basically it is a new way for fans to interact with the brands right with the sport properties so what you can do there you have endless opportunities basically you have digital museums you can create a 24-7 digital museum or shop which means that Anybody, anywhere in the world, at any time, can just buy a ticket to be at your museum. Whereas right now, if you want to go to Santiago Bernabeu, he's here to the museum, you have to be here physically present. First of all, you have to take a flight, you have to be here, you have to stay here. Then you have to come whenever it's open, in the day that it's open, at the office time that it's open, right? So there are so many restrictions with the physical world. However, if you have it 24-7 digitally, you can open to many other people around the world which would like to visit your museum. Absolutely. Okay, got it, got it. So, okay, I'm going to dig a little deeper here because we want to really talk about what's the value? Probably a lot of people listening out there, it's like, well, why wouldn't I just watch a broadcast? Why wouldn't I just go to the event? And I know you Mm -hmm. touched on reasons why you wouldn't do that or you can look at an alternative way to enhance this. So let's start to fold in sport tokens and memorabilia within the sport metaverse here and fan collectibles and digital assets. Can you start to explain what those are and maybe give an example, maybe give a golf example, what could be, or maybe another sport or something that's gone out there with signatures and collectibles and those type of things. Yeah, but even before getting into this one, like, you said something before interesting. So it's not that you will only experience the sports content in the metaverse, that it has to be either one or another. Not at all. You will still go physically to see the sport event, the football match, the, the golf tournament, whatever. It's just that you will have now a different place where you can experience it. And this is very important, especially when we talk about, for instance, reaching younger audiences. We have to be where people demand us to be. So I remember when I was at La Liga, one of the first things that we, we looked at is, depending on which country you are, you have to give the content they demand from you in the places, in the platforms they are demanding, and where they demand it. So basically, what they demand, where they demand it, and how they demand it, right? So for instance, in Russia, they don't use Facebook. They don't use Instagram. And we were, in the very beginning, trying to contact our fans through Facebook and Instagram. However, when you know that the fans there demand you to be in VK, in Contacta, or in not the Klasniki, you are in the platforms they are demanding. And this is the same. Maybe younger audiences don't want to watch your content through linear TV. Maybe you have to be in the metaverse. So you will be basically giving the content in the right platform for different target audiences. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, that was well explained. Okay. Yeah. And especially with younger audiences wanting immersive experiences and, and multiple experiences at the same time concurrently too. 
I know it drives a lot of parents crazy seeing their teens or even young adults doing three things at once, but that's the way they consume content. That's the way they engage. Maybe this is a good way to segue into the next part of the conversation, that it's no longer a passive one-way experience that you're just consuming. The fact you are engaging, it is a two-way exchange, not only with the league or the team or the event, but also all the other people that are around that. So is that a good way to take the conversation to the next level then? Totally, totally. Like uh, nowadays, what we see is that people use a second screen to consume sport content, right? Which is what you are talking about now. It's not just look 90 minutes at a football match. You are talking to your friends while you're watching the game, right? And you are interacting with your friends and with the community around. You just have to be as a brand and as a sport property, you have to be where your fans are. And some of them will be in one platform and other ones will be in the metaverse as we are talking now, right? So we just have to be where our fans want us to be. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you explain what the metaverse is. Let's tick off the next one here. So an NFT, a non-fungible token. Why don't you explain what that is? Okay, here I think it's more clear the concept than the metaverse, eh, right? So right. <laughs> let's start with the, with the words. We have to look at the non-fungible part, right, to explain that. So what is fungible and what is non-fungible? If you have, for instance, a 20 euros bill and I have another 20 euros bill, so there are two different ones, you wouldn't mind if I change you one for the other one, right? Because they have the same value. You don't care. That is something fungible. And you don't care if uh, I change this 20 euro bill for two bills of 10 euros, right? It's the same thing, right? That's fungible. Right. However, if, for instance, you have the first euro bill that came out and it's a 20 euro bill that came out that's the first one suddenly that is something different maybe you wouldn't be that keen to exchange it for another 20 euro bill right because that has more value and you cannot divide it into 10 euros bill because it's not the same thing so that starts to be a non-fungible thing right we have many different examples that we can use here like the example that most people use is for instance the mona lisa you have the mona lisa you cannot divide it. First of all, how much it costs? 20 euro bill, you know it's 20 euros, right? But how much is the Mona Lisa? There is no value attached to it. It's whatever someone decides that he's willing to pay. Right. And you cannot divide it. Like if you get half of the Mona Lisa, it doesn't mean that it has half of the value, right? (laughs) So there are many things here into the NFTs. And if you talk about golf, if you have two golf balls, the same ones, and you wouldn't mind to change it. But if you suddenly have the golf ball that Tiger hit this bunker shot in Mexico in 2019, that ball has more value than another one, which is the same brand and everything the same. That is the the difference between a fungible and a non-fungible thing. So we understand the uniqueness of it. And now with the NFTs that we are talking about, we have to translate that into the digital world. So for the first time, with the blockchain technology, you are able to determine who is the owner of that digital asset, first of all, and you are also able to determine how many units of that asset are available in the market, which is what makes it also unique. The the scarcity is what makes something also to go in a higher value. So let me give you an example. If there are two kids in the school and they are fighting, and suddenly the teacher comes in and she says, okay, what, what's the problem? And suddenly the kids are saying, oh, this collectible, Pokemon or La Liga or whatever, it's mine. And the other kid is saying, no, no, this one is mine. 
how do you know who's right? Right. You have no idea, right? And then I remember when I was young and I was doing these collections with collectibles. I remember I went to Valladolid, one of the cities here in Spain. And on Sundays, you could go to a square and you meet other, other kids and you exchange some collectibles, right? Right. And then there were some collectibles that people were willing to pay money for it because they were supposed to be those that are difficult to get. And what, it's, what it makes it difficult, it's basically that there are less amount of those collectibles available. However, how did we know how many of them were available? Do I know that the Rivaldo collectible back then, it was only 100 available in Spain or 10 or 1,000? You have no idea, right? So you don't know how valuable is that collectible. Right. And even if the company is saying it, it's just the company who has that information, who first of all, they may not say the truth, one possibility. The second one is that maybe they were wrong in saying the number. That's another possibility. Third one is that they could get hacked and suddenly someone changed the numbers. So again, you don't know how many units of something are out there. Therefore, you cannot determine what is the scarcity of that product. And here is where the blockchain technology comes in. So imagine we are in a, in a village of 100 people mm -hmm. and you have a golf shop. It's only 100 people, but they have a golf shop. <laughs> so I go and I buy a driver. Five days later, you come to me and you say, hey, Guillermo, no, you, you didn't pay me. And I say, no, Colin, yeah, I, I, I did pay you. And I don't know, you say, no, no, you didn't pay me. And here it's again like the kids discussion, right? right? So imagine blockchain being like every transaction that you do, you go into this village and we go into the main square and we have the 100 people in the village looking at what is happening. So we are up there in, in the main square and you calling, you have the driver in your, in your hand and you say, hey, this is my driver and I'm giving it to Guillermo, who is going to pay me 500 euros. I say, okay, yes. And everybody sees that I have my 500 euros in my hand and they see how we make the exchange. You give me the driver, I give you the 500 euros. So suddenly someone puts it in, a, let's say, in an Excel sheet and that Excel sheet, it is shared in between all the people in the village. And everybody knows it's true that it was that transaction that happened. So it's there in the shared Excel sheet. So if five days later you come to me and you say, hey, Guillermo, you didn't pay me, it is as simple as going to that Excel sheet and you saw that, yeah, it is there. What other problems we are solving there is that imagine someone hacks your account, like it can happen with banks, for instance. Yes. Right? So if someone hacks you or you want to be very smart and you say, no, no, I'm going to change it, I will say that he didn't pay. So I will change my Excel and I will put that Guillermo only paid 100 euros. And you will come to me and you will say, no, look at my Excel. It says that you only pay 100 euros. You owe me 400. However, the other 99 people in the village, they will have in the Excel that it is 500, what I paid to you. Yes. Right. So you cannot be smart. Nobody can hack you. Basically, the way to hack the blockchain in this village that we are saying is that you hack 51 computers of the village. But here we are talking not just a village of 100 people. We are talking about the world, the entire right. world, right? So imagine how many computers you have to hack. Actually, I don't want to get like very into specific details because it's not about hacking computers. It's about the mining power, but we don't have to get into that part, <laughs> right? So to make it very simple, oversimplifying things and not being accurate, you have to hack 51% of the computers in the world in order to have the truth. Basically, the difference here goes from a central authority who had the truth before and he said, okay, this guy has X amount of money or he made this or that transaction towards a decentralization of all this ecosystem where 
everyone everyone sees what is happening and everybody says, okay, this is right or this is not right. So it's like a democratization, so to speak, of all these ecosystems. No, I think it's a great example with the village that you gave here because, of course, for years I've been hearing in different pitch competitions that I've been at and people explaining blockchain as being this transparent ledger and then the decentralized autonomous organization and people, yeah, their, heads are, their heads are just spinning. It's like, what, what are you talking about? But to simplify it, I think to sum up here, hopefully I can encapsulate this, that what blockchain allows NFTs to do is, and then we'll get into cryptocurrency in a minute in Ethereum and how that all ties into this, but it allows allows you to understand scarcity, how many of, of these units are out there, so you can start to attach a value to it. And it also authenticates that it's not fraudulent. Getting back to the example, you give the golf ball, the most memorable one, that one that Tiger hits out of the 16th bunker at the Masters that slowly rolls down and then you get the Nike symbol just before it falls into the cup. Like You couldn't script that any better. I couldn't even imagine what that ball would be worth, but that ball would be worth way more than pretty much any other ball that Tiger has ever hit. But, but that's right. it. Like maybe for you, it's worth a lot of money and you would be able to or you would be willing to pay whatever. Maybe for another one, it's like, no, I wouldn't pay one single euro. Yep. So that's the non-fungible part of it. It right. has the value that each person decides it has. Yeah, absolutely. And I know being in Canada growing up as a hockey kid and having hockey cards and trading the value of those and understanding intuitively, even as a seven, eight, and nine year old, having a Wayne Gretzky rookie card that's in mint condition, even people trading things like that, maybe not like the Wayne Gretzky one is the penultimate card, I guess you can say, but even cards and knowing the value of trading one card that's in good shape as compared to, I'll trade you this one because I've got two of it for nine of those other cards. And we exchange with some other kid that we decide that's the value that this is worth. I find it interesting that intuitive nature, you doing that also with cards and collectibles also as a kid that we're already plugged in. We're hardwired to negotiate on these levels. And it sounds like all the things you're talking about are just taking that to the next level with the metaverse, which is exciting stuff. So it isn't like it's new concepts. We're just applying that in, in a digital engaging platform. Totally. I think like with NFTs and with blockchain, the problem is what you said before, right? Like there are so many terms that uh, they are difficult to understand and we can talk about, yeah, these ledger systems and we can talk about SHA-256. We can talk about so many different things, hashes. It's just like it, it will make it more complicated for people to understand. And the first time I heard it, I didn't understand what they were talking about, right? So I, I had to make <laughs> some stories in my head to understand it. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you've, you've done a great job here explaining the metaverse and NFTs and blockchain. So I think you're three for three so far. So let's bring in the, the last piece of this, and that is cryptocurrency. And of course, now everybody is very familiar, especially over the, the last 12 months or so, really ramping up that it has really got that traction and that tipping point that almost everybody out there at least understands in some level or heard of cryptocurrency. A lot of people are, are expanding on that. So tie this in now. If I want to give another example, perhaps, let's say I then want to bid or I want to get as an NFT this piece of sports memorabilia, golf memorabilia. I can't just use Canadian dollars or US dollars or euros. I need to be using Ethereum or Cryptocurrency. You don't so. need to. Depending depending what you are buying, okay. you can buy it in fiat currency. Fiat currency is basically euros, dollars, so the, the, the money that we are used to work with. And you also have cryptocurrency, right? So there are some platforms like in OpenSea, for instance, where if, if you go and buy an NFT there, you need to have Ether, which is the cryptocurrency for Ethereum, right? Right. But if you buy an NBA top shot, 
from Dapper Labs, which are these NFTs with the highlights of with dunks, things in, in the NBA, you can buy it with fiat currency, right? So you don't need in 100% of the cases to buy NFTs through a cryptocurrency. What you will need is a wallet in order to keep that NFT. Got it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. Okay. Well, we could dig even deeper into crypto, but it'll, it'll take up the whole show. And we want to bring it back to golf. So you've kind of laid the foundation here of, once again, between metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency, and blockchain. So let's talk with your experience and apply that now to golf and where the opportunities are. So I gave you an example. I had seen this one a couple of weeks ago, a company called Golf Plus. So what they're doing in the metaverse, you've had a look at this too. Perhaps you can explain what they are doing and what of the pieces that we talked about applies to them between the metaverse and some other elements there. Basically, they have a partnership with Meta. Meta, as you know, it's the, the old Facebook before. Now they changed the name to Meta. Yes. So it already shows the, the importance of the metaverse, right? So they have a partnership with Meta and, and you will be wearing this VR headset and you will be in a real golf course, right? So you will be able to play golf from your home and you will be in one or another golf course that they have. I think they have three golf courses, if I'm not mistaken, that you can play. And you will be there playing with your friends. Basically, you teletransport yourself to a golf course and play there with your friends in a virtual world. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So this is the first version that they've created with this. So there's all kinds of opportunities for engagement. Perhaps you can, with your experience, give us some examples of what do you think they can do in the future to enhance this for more engagement? How can they integrate NFTs? Let's say gamify that so there's rewards and delighters or they can unlock certain things by getting low scores or leaderboards. What, what are your thoughts on this totally and how, like, they, yes. how can you take it to the next level? For instance, like trophies that we were like when you win a tournament and you get a trophy, it's a physical thing. Now you can get an NFT out of it. So it's an NFT of the tournament that you won in that game. There are companies doing that right now in the physical world. So when you win a race, instead of giving you the medal, they give you an NFT that you won that race. Right? So for instance, that is something that, that you can do there. And then in golf, the imagination is your only limit. I am now training my putting. And the yes. problem is how I move my putt, the upswing, so how I move the putt. So if I had an AR headset, there is this mirror and there are different things that you can put there in order to train the movement of the putt. But imagine you're wearing an AR headset and you have this line that you have to follow when you move your pad. And when you do it, you can see where is your line. More or less like the same thing that we see in golf right now, where you see the swing of Rory McIlroy or whoever, and you see that the upswing goes this way and the downswing goes in another way and you see the, the lines. You can do the same yourself, training your padding. You move your pad in one way or another and you can correct yourself. Right? So there are many things that you can do out there. Well, I've seen the example you're describing there, Guillermo, firsthand when I was at the PGA show back in January. There's a company called PuttView, and they've been around for about five years out of Germany. And their first product is from above video projections down onto a putting surface with a UV camera, then picking up and tracking the ball. So that was very interesting. But the newest product they had that they launched at the show was wearing a headset. So this headset is not even a headset. It's more like the Google Glass. I, I don't know yeah. what company it is. They have this as their outdoor product now. And I tried this and it, the experience is, is amazing. So any golf course, any green, it immediately picks up all the contours and the terrain and you'll be able to, with the simple user interface that they have that you just put your finger through that you actually see 
in that mixed reality, augmented reality, that you then position where the hole is, and then another the next one you position where you point where the ball is, and then it calculates in real time the break of the putt, the distance of the putt, and it gets all the stats even as you move around. Okay. It was incredible. So yeah, that, that's AR already happening. It's not that it's something futuristic or a VR headset, which is like big. No, no, it's like in the future, there are already some partnerships with Ryvan, for instance, the glasses company. So we will be wearing Ryvan's yes. and the, or the same glasses that you're wearing right now. It will be the same, right? So you don't have to look like, yeah, some kind of robot or, yeah. or anything. <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all. That's, that's exactly true. Exactly. So other things I wanted to talk about here, I, and I got most of this information from being a participant in with Hype. We can talk about Hype in a moment, about all the good things you're doing with Hype in the uh, incubation innovation space there and Sports Accelerator globally, what you're doing with Hype. But you had the Global Sport Tech Summit 2022 Summit yesterday, which was virtual wasn't quite the metaverse, but it certainly had metaverse-esque type of qualities the way that you handled that. So before we get into some of the things that I discovered there I want to talk about, why don't you tell us about what you did with that, the engagement, and also yourself as entrepreneurs, what it is that you were looking to establish and prove out during that Sport Tech Summit. The Global Sport Tech Summit that we organized in Hype 22nd of February, we had more than 3,000 people register for the event. And I can say maybe it's the largest, and I can say for sure it's the highest quality event ever with top industry leaders. So it's not just the panels that we organize, like the NFT panel, the Metaverse panel, and the Sports Tech panel with, for instance, the co-founder of, of Sandbox, Sebastian, the, the, the founder of Upland. We had La Liga, we had UEFA, we had Adidas, Pepsi, Coca-Cola. So I can get you like a list of names here right, right. from top sport properties and top brands. But also the VIPs attended there came from the top companies and sport properties worldwide. And there is no event with that many people attending and at the quality that, that they attended. So it's not just that on the sports brand side, but also the startups, right? So we created, just imagine like any event that you've attended personally so we had different pavilions so you could enter into a pavilion which was the nft pavilion and you could see 12 of the best nft solutions that we have out there with the startups you could go into the metaverse pavilion and you also see 12 of the best solutions out there you could see also some solutions within performance and injury broadcasting so we are giving also exposure to these brands that they are leaders in their areas because that is part of what hype is doing we know which are the best startups worldwide in different verticals. Mm -hmm. Fan engagement, performance and injury, future stadiums, now NFTs, metaverse. So we know who they are. And actually, we have equity in more than 250 startups of this. And then on the other hand, we also have the brands, the sport properties. And as I've mentioned before, some of the big names. Yes. So one of the things we are doing here is to create connection between these brands and these startups. And we've done projects like this for uh, Paris Saint-Germain, for Miami Dolphins, for Volkswagen, for the European Broadcasting Union. So basically the main brands come to us to ask for help in what are the latest innovations in the sports tech. Yeah, I really enjoyed it yesterday. I was on there for a couple hours, got up bright and early because I'm in Vancouver. That uh, <laughs> 
Yes, very early in the morning, but definitely worth it. And I did capture some screenshots from the different rooms and the different events. So I will include those. So some visuals there in the show notes. So all of our listeners out there, I suggest if you want to have a look at what this actually looks like, go to our show page there. And also when Guillermo and I finish up here, we will be jumping on a quick Zoom call so that we'll have a video interview, talk about some different things, and that'll be on our YouTube channel. So you'll be able to see some visuals there also from all the good things that Guillermo was talking about. So Guillermo, one of the things I I really love with the the Global Sports Tech Summit that you had yesterday with Hype is I learned so many interesting things and some stats really blew my mind. I, I knew this market was big and it's expanding, but, and perhaps you can correct me if I get the numbers wrong here, but it was mentioned that in, in a Deloitte report that they're predicting the NFT sales in 2022 will exceed over $21 billion, which more than doubles the 2021 amount. I think even the other numbers there. So why don't you tell us, am I getting the numbers right there? Is that there's even bigger than that? It's, it's even bigger than, than that. So the numbers with the NFT sales only, it's like in 2020, we're talking about $100 million. Right. NFT sales in 2021 hit $21 billion just in one year. Wow. It's a 21,000% increase. And if we talk about, for instance, the metaverse, in 2021, it's around $210 billion, whereas it will hit $800 billion by 2024. And just the cryptocurrency market value is today at $1.75 trillion. Right. So what we are talking about is like very, very big numbers. Yeah, this is blowing my mind here. So I do understand there's about 2.7 billion gamers worldwide right now, and that's growing. And I want to talk about minting NFTs a little bit and what that could actually mean and having a secondary market when you buy something and you can trade. So let's distill this down. One of the startups I I looked at, one of the rooms that you had there where, where they were able to pitch what they were doing, they talked about the sports autograph market and said that right now it's about a $2 billion market. And the overall signature, digital signature market is like almost $6 billion, people paying with Ethereum and also, I guess, with regular currency. So if you talk about that a little bit, apply that to how that could work in golf. Let's say the signatures market, whether it's Bryson DeChambeau or Tiger Woods or, well, maybe not Phil Mickelson after what went on last week. People aren't Phil fans as much as they were. But let's say all the top players. How would that work for someone? Can you apply that as an example in golf with signatures of the top PGA players? Yes, the, the signatures that is very related to what we said before, right? So right now through blockchain, you can define if that is a real signature from Tiger Boots. So you can get this digital signature the same as it was before with the physical signature. Now you have the digital one and you can know how many of that signatures you have on that specific item. So it's very related to what we talked about mm-hmm. before. And now we know that it is true, right? Uh, we know that the, the authenticity of it. But one thing I, I wanted to add with what you said before, you, or we talked about these figures, right, of the NFT sales and the metaverse and, and, and cryptocurrency. And here it's where I think there is a lot of chaos around. Right. So, for instance, when we talk about the metaverse, there are so many platforms out there. We talked about Decentraland, Sandbox, Upland. You have so many different platforms out there. You can even create your own platform. So where is the best place to go? Like that's a different question to ask if you are a sport property, right? And then when you are into any of these platforms, what it is, what you have to do? What type of NFTs you have to do? Once you do an NFT, which value are you giving to the NFT? How are you interacting with your fan community within that ecosystem? There are so many options that you have out there that it's why you need a company in this case like Hype that can help you 
to get the right answers to all these questions. Where to go, when to do it, how to do it, what to do exactly, and who to do it with. These are questions that brands don't have the time and they maybe don't have the knowledge. And that is why there are companies like ours in this case, like Hype. Got it. Got it. You're that connective tissue that's bringing it all together, that aggregator that, that's finding the right fit for all these different groups. And the, yeah, chaos is a good way to determine it. And there's and there's skepticism out there too, whether the metaverse is, is a trend or a fad. And I guess when we have you back on the show in another year or two, I guess that question will be answered of how much this has expanded since this conversation. So, hey, a couple other questions I, I wanted to ask you before we wrap it up and we jump over to our video for our YouTube channel here. A lot of listeners out there, they may be golf course owners or operators, or they're maybe they're equipment suppliers or people that I met, small companies, small and medium-sized enterprises that are working in the golf space. They're probably thinking, well, well, how do I monetize this? How do I get involved with engagement? So perhaps you could answer that question, maybe give an example of whether it's a Volkswagen or an American Express attaching themselves to an event or an experience. So how can companies monetize their participation in the metaverse? The metaverse and NFT, right? So what you said, because the NFTs are integrated into the metaverse, but the metaverse is way more than, than NFTs. So here, like, we can talk about different things. First of all, they need to know which assets they have and what they can, let's say, for instance, create an NFT out of, and it has a value. It's what we said before, right? So the problem right now, it is, and, and what you said before, like, let's see in one year, where the, the market is, it's like maybe the problem right now is that people are minting NFTs of everything. Right. And just by having an NFT doesn't mean that it has a value. It's what mm -hmm. we said before. It is not just that you have to do an NFT of everything and you will get rich. So it is a new revenue stream. Yes, but you need to give a value so people actually buy it and they don't feel disappointed afterwards because that's the main problem right now. And when they enter the metaverse, that is the same answer. Like depending who you are, I think the moment to enter the metaverse is obviously now, but you have to define what you can do and what uh, you cannot do, depending how big you are. So where is your community of fans? It will tell you if you should join or not the metaverse right now or a bit later. So if you are a company or a, any brand that a, a, you only have 80 year old customers, maybe the metaverse is not the place for you. Maybe the metaverse is the place if you want to reach younger audiences for some reason and you try to reach them, right? But it's not just, okay, let's all go to the metaverse and to do NFTs about everything. Who is your target audience? And then you can do the right strategies. For golf courses, you have to think like, who is my target audience? And let's see what I can do an NFT about, if that is a possibility, and who will be willing to pay for it. Should I join the metaverse or not? Those are questions that we will be more than happy to help the golf clubs, each of the golf clubs to see where and how they should do it. But it's not just, yeah, let's all go on to the metaverse and let's all do NFTs about everything. Yeah, yeah, okay. So since the metaverse and and even NFTs for what it's worth are still in their infancy, you say, so there's still a lot going on as far as figuring out, you mentioned it before, the chaos still is a bit of a tumultuous space here. As far as the value of an NFT, do you think it's fair to use the analogy of, let's say, real estate? Let's say my house here. What's the value of my house? Well, 
the precedent that you have in the neighborhood. What have other houses of a similar size and a similar age sold for over the last 12 or 24 months? And that's how you can mm-hmm. then base and, and where the market is going as far as the trend, as far as is it a hot market, is it a cold yeah. market? And that's how you can then position that as far as this, rather than my house is the only one within 50 miles of here. Is it worth a dollar? Is it worth $5 million? So is it it. fair to say that analogy that the the more houses that are built and sold in a a NFT type of analogy that it'll stabilize and the value will be firmer? Related to the real estate, it's a a good example because there was a bubble there and uh, there could be a bubble with the NFTs as well, right? Because everybody's buying NFTs of whatever and then they just buy it because at a high price because they know that they will sell it at a higher price, which is what happened with the real estate. And then the difference with the real estate is that you had maybe at least a ceiling where you can be under a roof, right? But an, an NFT, what is it, what you can do with it? That's what I mean by giving value to NFTs and not just do NFTs of everything. You can create an NFT right now. You can take a screenshot of what we are doing right now and mint an NFT. And you can put it in OpenSea. We just need to know if people uh, are asking for it. Maybe if you give any kind of value out of it, only the people who buy this NFT will have access to a gala that I will do at the end of the year with the best golfers in the world. Suddenly that NFT, if you buy it, it has some value because it's the only way to enter to that gala dinner. However, if you just do a screenshot and mint an NFT out of it and just put it in OpenSea, yeah, someone can buy it, but uh, what is he going to do with it? Right. Yeah. So that is the bubble part here. Yeah. The example you gave there, just as far as that gala, there's scarcity, there's a finite number of people, and also there's that fear of missing out. There is a timestamp on that also, that this happens in a week or a month. So it also encourages people to participate and engage. Let's let me talk about in the startup space there with companies, and I've seen it a lot, and I've done this way back in the early days too, when we were first starting out in our first entrepreneurial ventures. It's like, well, what's the valuation of the company? We're, oh, we're worth, we're looking for you know 10% on our $2 million valuation. But as we know, just like with NFTs, the value of something, as you mentioned, is what somebody is willing to pay for it. No more and no less. At that particular moment in time, that may expand and contract. So, hey, I can keep going here, and I will on our video. But to wrap up here, I want to ask you one more question, and that is this. So, what did I not ask you that you believe is important for our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Good question. I think we pretty much covered everything around the the, the (laughs) NFTs, metaverse, uh, cryptocurrency, I think uh, you just uh, didn't ask me when are we going to meet and play golf. That's the only question. Maybe it has to be in in the Golf Plus with the VR headset. So we have to organize something there. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I may have a fighting chance against you as compared to on a a true green grass experience. But, (laughs) well, hey, hopefully I can get back over to Europe sometime very soon. Maybe you'll come over to here. Vancouver's beautiful, especially in the summertime. So you never know that perhaps we'll play in real life and we'll we'll meet each other there. But if not, uh, perhaps first we'll meet in the metaverse. You never know. <laughs> so, hey, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, Guillermo, why don't you let our listeners know where they can learn more about Hype Sport Innovation? Totally. They can go to our webpage, hypesportsinnovation.com. And they can also reach me out at my at my mail, uh, Heredia, H-E-R-E-D-I-A, at hypesportsinnovation.com. Or they can reach me out in, in LinkedIn as well. So any questions they may have, don't hesitate to just reach out. Perfect. And to make it nice and easy for all our listeners, I will include all of the links and your email address. 
that you just mentioned there in the show notes and also on the bio page. I'm going to create a link to the show for you on our Mod Golf Podcast website there with all of our previous episodes, including the one with uh, Amir Reva, who is the CEO and founder of Hype Sports Innovation, who we had on a couple of years ago. So uh, I'm so glad I had a chance to talk to you today. I personally am a bit clearer on all these things that you talked about today. So thank you. You did a great job. You explained it to me like I'm an eight-year-old, which is the most important thing. It's more clear than confusing. So uh, I think this is a win. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you uh, so Guillermo, hey, thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.